everyone. Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host, Kushal Mehra. I'm really excited about today's podcast. Before you say, Kushal, but this one's special, I'll tell you why. I'm a fan of cars. I've always, since my childhood, had a fascination for cars. Now, I'm no technical expert. I don't understand engines, nothing. But I just always, since my childhood, I had this thing. I would look at a nice car and I would just stare at them. And even till this date, my wife gets irritated because if I see a nice car, everything stops. I just stare at them. So I was l- desperately looking to do some podcasts on cars. And then, uh, as always, Abhijit Ayer Mitra, my dear friend, says, Hey, to Kushan se baat karna. He's the automotive expert. He's my friend. You're my friend. And then Abhijit introduced me to Kushan. So, Kushan, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, of course, friend and better Noah of both of us. But anyway. And, and, and there was no plan before people judge us that both of us are wearing a red shirt. There was no plan. <laughs> there was no plan. We are both wearing red brown neck t-shirts. No plan at all. As it is, our names are far too similar. In that yeah. Sense. Anyway. yeah. But, so but, we are just living up to the expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah, so so today's podcast is about, look, uh, Kushan is going to be coming back for a few more discussions because when I, you know, had an offline discussion with Kushan, we, we went back and forth and I shared a few ideas I had in my head and Kushan was like, this is not going to be covered in one podcast. I was like, even better. So you can come again and again. But I wanted today's podcast to focus on the history of the Indian automotive industry. Kushan's an expert. He writes a regular column in the print. By the way, the link is there in the description, guys. So please go and check that out too. Yeah, he does a lot of videos too. So Kushan, maybe we can start over here. Take us to the start of Indian automotives. How did it all start? Um, for, okay, so let me first give credit to my friend Adil Jalalabukhanawala. Adil, like um, any middle-aged Baba out there, is very, very knowledgeable about the auto industry. Um, the automotive industry and the automotive journalism trade has got a lot of uh, Parsis in it, for obvious reasons. And so the very first car in India is a bit controversial. The very first car in India apparently came in 1897. Nobody knows to whom. It was a British trader based somewhere in... Um, North India, but what we do know that in 1903, three Oldsmobiles came to India in uh, in Bombay, as it was called then, and went to the three uh, most powerful Parsi business families uh, of the day, and still powerful, the Kamas, the Wadias, and of course, Mr. Jamshedji Tata, the patriarch of the Tata group. So, the Tata Association with Automobiles in India goes back to 1903. Um, and well, after that, India was always an, mainly a market where cars weren't built. You, of course, have the famous Maharajas getting their Rolls Royces. They were big customers of Rolls Royces. Some of those cars you can see at uh, classic car shows, such as the Cartier Concours or there's this lovely museum on the ring road in Ahmedabad where this, uh, forget the name of the gentleman, but he was an old mill owner in Mumbai. It was a fantastic collection of these cars. I mean, not necessarily the best painted. They won't win awards at some of these uh, shows uh, where these classic cars participate. 
but uh, lots of these old Maharajas' cars um, are there. Also, cars back then used to be on a frame alone, and the coach work, as you call it, the body of the car was built in India. We used to do very, very good um, horse-drawn carriages. So we used to have very, very good coach work in India. Um, the first cars as such that were made in India, you had assembly, uh, of course, uh, local industrialists doing assembly during the wars. But again, during uh, World War II, there wasn't a huge amount of battles going on in India other than the Northeast. So we didn't have that much of a car trade. Of course, um, Mahindra started with uh, assembling the CJ, but the first car factory as such, the first automotive factory is the Tata truck plant in Jamshedpur, uh, where they started doing the Mercedes trucks in the early 50s, if I'm correct. Then, of course, that was followed by Hindustan Motors. They started getting the Morris Oxford uh, back in the late 50s. That also uh, assembly more than anything else. We were just getting everything from the UK. Even the body panels came from the UK. Then, um, you know, we started stamping the body panels out of here. That's where you got the ambassador finally coming in. And, and Kurla, at the same time in Mumbai's Kurla, uh, you had the premier fact, automobiles factory um, that started. Uh, again, I'd argue that for many years, you don't, you know, I'm sure in many of your other shows you've discussed uh, our uh, Nehruvian socialist past. Um, we uh, never really developed a motor industry as such. Cars were something of the elite. And you can, that is actually the best way to notice that is 1960s and 1970s Bollywood films, where you can see large American cars coming in. A lot of left-hand drive cars used to come into the market. Uh, we um, were adversely affected by the 1973 oil crisis in the after the Arab-Israeli war of 1973. Uh, and that's the time when uh, both uh, everybody tried to get new engines. Mahindra tried putting one of the tractor engines in the Jeep uh, of, of the day. Um, whoops, sorry, I was getting a call. I have to switch my phone off. Uh, and uh, uh, then in the 80s, of course, in the 70s, uh, Sanjay Gandhi had the great idea of setting up Maruti in the 70s. Well before Maruti, pre-emergency this was, by the way. Um, I'm not sure during the emergency where Sanjay Gandhi and some of his friends, many of these friends actually owned uh, a lot of the ancillary companies uh, that make parts for cars even today. Uh, one of the companies, I think, was run by Lalit Suri. Is, uh, the Subros, of course, is still around. The Suri family is still a very, very integral part of the automotive industry in India. Um, and uh, a lot of that happened. Uh, so we, we started getting cheaper and cheaper parts as well. Uh, you, had, uh, uh, you had the Fiat uh, 124, which was the 118 NE, where you got a Japanese engine used to get uh, cheaper engines. A lot of that happened, and nothing really changed until 1983, uh, December 1983, when um, Harpal Singh took delivery of the very, very first Maruti 800. And then, of course, the government wanted to protect Maruti. Uh, 
The Tatas wanted to get back into uh, the automotive industry. They had a joint venture with, a planned joint venture with Honda, which never really took off uh, for multiple, many reasons. Ratan Tata wanted to get into it. Uh, the government stalled, stalled, stalled. And then in the post-liberalization, post-1991, uh, we made it easier for the car companies to come in. In fact, two of the first companies to come into India, three companies came in in the early to mid-90s. Uh, Debu, the Korean company, um, Ford and General Motors, all three of whom are not with us in India anymore. So when would you say the idea of the ownership of the vehicle of a vehicle, it doesn't matter what vehicle it is, in our average Indian side. Like today, if you get up in the morning and just think about ownership of a car, it has pretty much um, seeped into, I would not say in the, the mass mindset, but you can say from lower middle class and above, the idea of having some sort of vehicular trans transmission, trans transportation is there ownership of something like that exists. So till what time would we say in our history as a country was the car literally an elite enterprise? Like just the elite enterprise. Okay, so both my grandfathers owned cars. Um, one was a, a IRS officer and one was a businessman. They both owned, I was, and you can guess my name, I'm Bengali, so we lived in Calcutta, so everybody had ambassadors. Um, that's why they had cars. Um, and uh, it was still a very elite enterprise until I would say Maruti started coming along. I don't think it really, um, Maruti didn't really ease up uh, ownership, but it, it, it started to remove that uh, command structure. Now, one of the people I was very close to and uh, who told me a lot of, explained a lot to me was Bridwan Lal Munjalji. Uh, bless his soul. Um, the founder of Hero Motocop today, right? Um, Bridgman Lalji used to tell me back in the day that, you know, he used to take rounds of Nirman Bhavan, all the Bhavans in Central Delhi. He said, Bete, uh, you cement hota tha, kisi aur ke paas, uh, steel ke hote the, so we used to swap. And that was how our economy used to run even in the 80s, even when Hero Honda was functional. Um, but things started to change then. I mean, honestly, I feel um, the four-stroke motorcycle uh, did more to connect India. The Hero Honda, Philip Shadifiketed ads from the early 80s, you, you might remember them, did more to connect India than uh, any anything else, even the Indian railways. Um, as much praise as we might give the railways. Car ownership is still a very uh, rare thing in India. Our penetration of cars per thousand population is still in the 20s. Uh, and that's with the car park today. Uh, we still only, last year, we only sold about 3 million cars overall in India. That's growing. It, it grew last year. I mean, after a few years, sales finally grew. I think it will grow again. But China is many, many multiples of India right now, right? I mean... Um, um, the, the sale of luxury cars in China, uh, luxury, you know, I mean, Mercedes, Audi, uh, BMW, JLR, the sale of luxury cars in China alone is greater than the entire Indian car market, period. Okay, so they sell more than 3 million of those. 
it's still an elite thing. It is still, I mean, not so much motorcycle ownership anymore, um, but definitely uh, car ownership is still. Um, but I don't think owning a car is, makes you rich anymore, right? I think that 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 disappeared. I think with the last boom cycle we had in the early two thousands. Um, of course, uh, I'm not a sociologist. I'm sure they can explain better. I think with Ratan Tata tried to do with the nano was try to democratize car ownership. Now we can get into many um, debates about why the nano failed as a product, uh, but that's what he wanted to do. And he might not have succeeded with the nano, but today you can, you know, Cars aren't really expensive. I think the EMI, the entire concept of the EMI democratized uh, home ownership and car ownership. I right? didn't have to put the money down, didn't have to worry about getting a loan from the bank. It became a lot easier to get a loan for a salaried professional, even if you know, you're know you starting out uh, at 10, 15, 20,000 rupees a month, you could get a loan, right? I mean, I, I bought my first car back in uh, 2000. 2002, it was an alto. I got it uh, with a loan. Um, and I wasn't earning all that much right then. I was 10,000 rupees a month or whatever it was. So um, I think that did a lot to change car ownership. Um, we can still improve it. We can still improve it. I mean, the economy still has a long way to go. Um, and honestly, uh, again, huge debates. Should car ownership be encouraged or public transportation and all of that? I mean, that's a, that's a rabbit hole you don't want to get down on this podcast right now. It's a rabbit hole you can look into on other shows. But, um, yeah. I actually agree with you. One of the, uh, in fact, uh, just as a passing comment, I would say India is in a very unique position because we know the history of America, why America is the way it is. And cars are such an integral part of the United States of America. There are multiple reasons for it. The way that country was formed, how the infrastructure was directed, how the political class and the lobbying class behaved in a certain way. And that led to the rise of the car industry in a major way. People don't realize. I mean, the American most American cities have abysmal public transport. Outside of New York, I, I really don't consider any American city to have a decent public transport. They don't. And that's why the idea of car ownership and that and, and the rise of the suburb and then the car, because of the suburb yeah. existing, you just can't function without a car in America. In fact, I, I am someone who is very sympathetic to the idea of why do you have to own a car? I personally, just, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I started this discussion with my wife that maybe we don't need to own a car anymore. You know, I, I live in Mumbai. There is Ola, there is Uber, there is car rent. Uh, there are cars available for rent. But this is a history of Indian automotive uh, industry podcast. So now, okay, we know the cars, how they came now. Now let's talk about features. Now, this is something that is very intriguing because... I don't know how much of a feature-obsessed market India is, right? Because in America, you do have people when they go to buy a car, they are obsessed about features. Like I see that in my friends in the United States of America. They will study the features, the specifications of the car. But when I look at the average Indian mindset, they're like, average kya deta hai, mileage kya deta hai? I mean, that's the first thing that comes to an Indian mind. They don't look at airbags or something like that, right? So what has been the journey of Indian car features? Um, 
A, I think I disagree with that to an extent. I mean, fuel economy, of course, was the overriding factor over the past until, I would say, uh, the late 2010s. I think that changed a bit. Um, India is very, very similar to other Asian markets in the sense we want all the gadgets and gizmos in a car. Today, even a Maruti Alto comes with a touchscreen. Uh, a Maruti Alto comes with a touchscreen. Um, a Renault Quid comes with a touchscreen. And these are, um, nine, you know, these are what? These are five, five lakh rupee cars. These are entry-level cars these days. Fuel economy remains important. I don't think it's overriding factor. I mean, when every, I mean, part, I guess, of my job, part and parcel of my job is advising people what cars to buy. And they call me every day, I guess. I get one person or the other calling me for advice. And people want features like advanced driver assistance systems these days. And I'm not necessarily a fan of all of them, but like on the new Honda City, you have them. On the new Hyundai Verna, you have them on the MG. So if people want touchscreens. They want airbags now. At least in a city environment, at least I could even argue among PLUs, people who are spending 10 or 12, 15 lakhs plus on a car, they want these features now. Fuel economy remains important. I think, again, in a certain class of car buyer, if you really want economy is your overriding purchase decision, then buy an electric car, really. I mean, you can't argue with the operating economics of an electric vehicle. Or for that matter, even a hybrid vehicle right now. I mean, uh, I, I've driven I've driven the Honda City hybrid extensively. I've driven the Grand Vitara hybrid extensively. And they're so much more economical than anything else. So if economics are the... I mean, and that's why the hybrids are doing well. If you see every Grand Vitara, there's a hybrid. You see the Toyota Highrider, the hybrids. Um, but you also want a touchscreen. You also want, I mean, one of the best features in a car in that has emerged in the last five years is the ventilated seat, the cooled seats, which believe me, in our weather conditions, are, it's the most brilliant thing. I mean, I'm, I'm driving a car without cooled seats right now and I say, oh, not the feature. I mean, I really love it. Um, <laughs> so I have a, and I've got, I've got two vehicles in, so I guess I'm going to tell you, I don't own a car of my own. I get cars from the car companies to drive for a few weeks, sometimes a few months. And I want to drive the most comfortable one. I want to drive the one with the cool seats. So um, I think that's the feature I really want, of course. And then Apple CarPlay uh, for me, I have an iPhone, so I want Apple CarPlay so I can listen to podcasts so, uh, or Apple Music or whatever it is. Um, that's the features I would want. Uh, driver assistance systems are, of course, the thing. I, I genuinely, I mean, why has China, it just emerged in news reports that China has become the world's largest car exporter. Yeah, I think Indian buyers are very similar to that because Indian, uh, China, Chinese cars also come with all these features. If you go out there and see an MG um, Hector, which is a, you know, just a Chinese car, um, that's full of features. That's the most, one of the most feature-loaded cars you can get out there. I just drove that MG Comet there, uh, and um, that's again, you know, touchscreens. It's got everything you need. So I think features are the most 
touch screens, infotainment, people care about the audio system. One of the things, I mean, what's fascinating, I just, my, my Sunday column was on audio systems. Um, if you grew up like we did in the 80s uh, or 90s when I started driving, you used to know how to take tape out of the cassette deck. Now, everything on demand. I mean, uh, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, whatever, you know, whatever you listen to, um, all on demand, millions of songs uh, from the cloud. Anything you ever wanted to hear, everything is there. I mean, unless you're looking for something very specific, uh, everything is there. Man, do you remember those days? At least when I used to be in college, those big pioneer helmet speakers. Mm. used to come those round speakers we had to get and cut and placed perfectly. And, and, and if the guy did not know how to do the job properly, it was always make that par, 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 par sound yeah, all yeah. the whole time, man. And that, that was insane. Uh, the, of all the car speakers, those were my favorite car speakers, at least when I used to go to college. Oh, I, I used to remember back in the day when I was in class 12 and getting up to first year, second year college, uh, guys used to have these massive woofers in their cars and they used to, the cars used to bounce. Cars used to be super light then. Um, and of course you had that culture back then, I guess, I, I believe among kids having big woofers is still a big thing. Um, I'm too old for that crowd now, I guess, but there is also, um, so, uh, but yeah, uh, music and features. India has never been a market in my opinion where, um, of course, power and performance get talked off a lot. You see it in the advertising. I don't think we are a very power and performance-driven market. There are, there are, of course, a small uh, niche of buyers who look for, you know, they're, they're the guys who are spending uh, 70, 80, 90 lakhs on a car, so even more cross on a car, uh, by Porsches and AMG Mercs and BMW M cars. But um, the average Indian car buyer was never performance oriented person. I mean, perform the only performance that they're interested in is fuel economy. Uh, that is changing slightly. Um, although at a time when we are moving to electric vehicles or zero emission vehicles, let's put it like that. Yeah, isn't that ironic that uh, in, in that way, do you think India, uh, I'm not saying it in a good way or a bad way, is going to skip a lot of phases of uh, automotive development or automotive history by sheer coincidence that we're just going to skip from stage A to stage B? Uh, it's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, right? I mean, um, like, I'm a father to a young child and, you know, I, I it is polluted in Delhi every winter. It's not as if it's a secret, right? I mean, um, in Mumbai also, you're suffering from pretty bad pollution. Some of it is with the construction in Mumbai. Um, vehicular pollution is real. Let's not pretend that it isn't. So um, it happens, cars do pollute, but it's the easiest pollution to fix. So that's why I think we've gone down that road um, for better or for worse. We we, uh, we tried. I mean, uh, we did the Doom series. We tried to copy the Fast and Furious movies with Doom and race and all of those, uh, but it didn't really work because we, we have we have a motorcycling culture. We have a, I'm sure you can see that uh, near the ceiling part uh, or even on the WEH uh, in Mumbai on, on, on Friday nights in particular, you see a bit of that in Delhi. Um, but 
not that much with I mean, of course the ultra rich do uh, you know do do stunts but increasingly they've also started been we do have a racetrack near delhi right so we go there um but again the ultra rich in india are very very small percentage i mean uh, how many i mean even though that said last year we sold uh, one lamborghini in india every week and the cheapest lamborghini is almost four crores so there is that yeah uh, talking about drag racing i've heard rumors i can't give the name of certain politicians drag racing in the nights in the early 2000s uh, on akbar road uh, it's very interesting in delhi oh well the stuff happened back then i mean um, <laughs> that that, that uh, my dad was a mp so he used to say there's a lot of cars who race at night he used to stay on uh, firosha road so um, he used to tell me these stories but Listen, rich guys, rich kids do it across the world. It, it happens in China. It happens in Bangkok. It happens in the U.S. as well. So, um, but uh, some of those guys started going off uh, to um, the racetrack. But right now, the part of the NCR I would avoid on uh, nights would be the golf course road in Gurgaon. Lots of kids uh, driving like utter lunatics on over there. every night almost uh, between 12 and 6 avoid uh, in fact just the other day somebody banged and burnt his porsche so yeah i think in mumbai i don't know particular spots because the cops keep going from point a to point b but in novi mumbai there is a famous road called the palm beach road i think mm-hmm. palm beach road is known for a lot of drag racing and uh, bikers and a lot of stuff like that in fact a very horrifying incident of a young kid dying over there also had happened but okay in this whole feature market when do you think airbags became a thing in india when did, when did airbags come into cars because the norms changed and the government said no you have to have airbags or the it was the pressure from the market and the consumers that no we need airbags get us that and the car companies are like okay we will give you airbags Okay, when did I buy? I bought my second car, which was an i twenty in two thousand and eight, and I bought an i twenty top of the line i twenty Aster, uh, which the first generation i twenty, uh, which came with two airbags back then. I wanted the airbags because I felt I drove. I I wrote about the automotive industry. wasn't really evaluating cars per se back then on a regular basis but i definitely wrote about corporate and i felt it it's it's important because god forbid i need them god forbid i mean hopefully i'll i'll drive for years that i've i've never had an airbag deploy on me and fingers crossed i don't ever it doesn't happen to me or you or anybody we know um they can save lives they can save lives i was uh, last year maruti suzuki invited me to their um, r&d facility they have a 4000 crore r&d facility outside rohtak and they put on um, a crash test demo for us with uh, brezza the current brezza it is a pre production car so not but a crash is quite dramatic even at 64 kilometers per hour if you remember your physics that's only two cars going at 32 kilometers per hour um, and an airbag can save your life 
you might get injuries. I've heard of accidents. If you know people have had airbags, um, it can save your life. Definitely in the front passenger, front driver and passenger seat because there's a lot more car. You're going straight in the engine bay. It became mandatory, I think, now about before COVID, something like 2018, where the government mandated front uh, driver and passenger airbags. And from August this year, most cars will need to have six airbags. I think the smallest cars will get away with four. Because in a small car, six airbags might actually be dangerous. Too many airbags, smaller cabin space. Um, but... Um, I, that's the mandate now. Uh, cars already need to have anti-lock braking systems. Um, that's mandated. So uh, cars are now, now legally cars have to have between um, four to six airbags. It's interesting because I have a Hyundai i10 and I don't think so that car has airbags. And this is not very long ago, like five, six years. Yeah, maybe, uh, as I said, 2018, 2019, the airbag mandate came across. Mm -hmm. And um, it began with a bit of a few crash tests from the global NCAP and uh, uh, also some push from um, Gadkariji. Um, Mr. Gadkari has, uh, of course, he gets a lot of credit for the highway uh, expansion in India. But one thing he's always spoken about is he wants to reduce road fatalities in India. And um, 150,000 people die on Indian roads every year. Um, that number is growing. Um, as we get higher and higher speed expressways, uh, it's, I mean, I, I don't want to sound very cynical saying this, uh, but more people are going to die in the next few years because we are not used to these high speed roads. We uh, don't know how to go on them. You don't need me to tell you that um, even despite these safety features, people will drive on the wrong side. People, It's still a joke about how easily Indians can get a license. Um, driving is a privilege, not a right uh, to get a DF. Um, I mean, I'm, I might be enjoying a beer right now, but I'm not going to go out and drive a car right now, right? So I'm not going to... But, you know, back in the day, I've done stuff I'm not proud of. I mean, I've, I've driven cars when I should not have driven cars. And I can't condone that. So a lot of it is uh, safety cells right now. I mean, some of that, you know, what I talked about, advanced driver assistance systems on cars. Let's be honest, even if you're not drunk, when you're driving a car right now, all of you or many of your viewers will also admit that they'll, they'll pick this up, right? They'll pick it up and, oh, yeah, message I You know, you'd want to go on to social media. You might want to, oh, wow, what a great joke on WhatsApp. Somebody WhatsApp messages you. And this is despite the fact that the car now, the systems like Apple CarPlay or Android Auto can have read out the message for you. You can communicate. I mean, I, I do voice dictation of messages, but uh, I mean, we all get distracted by our phones. And ADAS is a great feature for that, in my opinion. It helps you reduce the distraction levels. Um, and I guess now that's going to be the next feature everybody wants on their cars. Um, 
I don't know if we have the computing power available to us anywhere in the world to deal with the chaos on Indian roads and have autonomous driving on Indian roads. That would require a huge amount of computing power. Yeah, will we have cars that swear at each other? Oh, tu kya kar rahe? Hard ja. I mean, God knows, but I've seen, I've seen it. I, my, my uh, so I stayed with my brother-in-law in Seattle, uh, but in uh, 2020 January, and he had a Tesla Model Three, and he showed me the autonomous thing. It's insane. It's, it's actually wow. It blows you away. How you know it's. And if, if you drive some of the cars like I drive, like the, the Mercedes-Benz EQS, uh, that can also, it's got cameras and radars and all of that. I mean, um, even the Honda City with ADAS, it's got a wide-angle camera. It's got artificial intelligence. It's reading what's happening in front of you. Cars have radars nowadays. They have LiDAR as well, which is um, radar, which is now gone to light detection, not just sound waves. So uh, it's it's you have an insane amount of capability on cars right now, and and it's all driven towards safety. But yeah, for that we also have to improve our own driving skills. We have to be honest about it. I mean, you still have guys coming down the wrong way because they want to save five minutes of time, or you know, not drive for five fifty meters more. Um, and you know, uh, while I think uh, many of our urban roads are not built for pedestrians. Um, you know, people are still crossing willy-nilly. I mean, jaywalking, um, everybody's jaywalking all the time. You, you can't blame them at times because there's no infrastructure for that. But uh, when I went on the Delhi-Mumbai Expressway for the first time, with Abhijit actually, um, we saw school kids cross it. And the, the Delhi-Mumbai Expressway has been built on, uh, it's built on, it's built on a rise. And there are enough underpasses. But people are still crossing the road. What are you going to do? I mean, um, we, um, let's be honest. I mean, we still have bovines on the road. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, um, it, it doesn't help with people also putting the same uh, Western, you know, the, the Western stereotypes of India. It doesn't help. It really doesn't help. Why? Why can't the municipal authorities act against these guys? They won't. It's better in Mumbai, actually, than it is in Delhi. And uh, these are the same guys, you know, like, uh, for example, if you've gone, gone down to Kerala, Kerala is one of the most, it's one place in India I feel very scared of driving. Not that it's much better elsewhere. I'm not saying it's much better elsewhere. It's, I've, I've driven Delhi, all it's of... worse than Delhi? Uh, narrow roads, narrower roads than Delhi, very narrow roads, much more high-speed driving, um, but those same guys are so well behaved when they go to the Middle East. So um, Kerala, Kerala is a lot. It's 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 narrow roads. It's very very narrow roads. And I mean, the bus drivers in Kerala are bonkers. I would say they're crazier than Haryana and Punjab roadways buses. You you say oh Haryana and Punjab roadways bus is scary. Then you go to Kerala and so okay, okay, that's that's scary. Again, I don't want to point out. I've, as I said, I've driven in the northeast. It's as bad. It's, I've driven in. Um, I mean, some states are better than others. Arunachal is better because there are hardly any cars, hardly any people. Sikkim is very well behaved. Um, Assam is very nice outside Gohati. Um, but um, on the whole, it's 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 scary driving across. You have to have your full senses. That's why you get mentally exhausted after a long drive in India at times because you just got to be aware of everything all the time. Um, 
and you know as many safety features as your car has and i know people want safety right now you can't really plan for the idiocy of others on the road yeah it's true it's funny you mentioned about people who drive well outside like i i clearly remember my friend who lives in america and if i'm sitting in the car with him in florida he's so different and then he comes to bombay and he gets into the beast mode like beep 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 everywhere he's talking all the time um i mean new york is very different new york you have to ride the horn so oh my but... god it's terrible last time last year i was yeah. in new york i was like what the hell is this place i am in bombay again <laughs> yeah but then, then again half your cab drivers are punjabi or bangladeshi or pakistani <laughs> in fact i i i uh, because i'm bengali i actually get along with the cab drivers the bengali you know they'll tell you where to go and you know where to eat the best bong food also um but yeah i mean um we uh, we need to in as indians and and i'm saying is you know don't don't think this because you might own a mercedes benz that you are any superior to the guy driving a 100 cc motorcycle your driving skills could be equally poor so there is many many more motorcycles that's about it right um i i i have a as i said i have a 3 year old right and um, i take him to school between me and my wife we take him to school pick him up or drop him to school we take him in a child seat and um, you know strapped in top tether everything is properly right and in every journey um, maybe other than the time i go from my house to my mother's house which is about a kilometer through colony roads i put him in a seat i mean i belt him in i should i mean i'm, I'm guilty of that but we take him to school we belt him in but then when i go to his school i see guys pulling up in you know bmw x7 and the x7 is a one and a half tor car and this guy's daughter is speaking out of the sunroof what are you going to say what are you going to say the guy i mean if you have a bmw x7 you're very very wealthy uh, i'm not worried about uh, possibly even well educated um I mean we use the sunroof we are using the sunroof as a window for our kids to peek out of when the sunroof by the way is the most demanded feature on indian cars again you don't want we don't want uh, you know fuel economy the sunroof chahiye gaadi mein makes no sense whatsoever it's going to rain in mumbai in a couple of weeks time right it's 45 degrees in delhi right now a sunroof it's a piece of glass above your head boss you don't want 45 degree sun coming down on you but that's what people want and the car makers are giving it to them and why they want to put their kids out of the sunroof <laughs> you know it's one thing when you're young and in college you know but uh, you know you're doing stupid stuff fair enough i get that i mean i've also picked out a sunroof back in the day i've um but with kids is different right why would you put a 6 year old 7 year old at risk in fact in delhi there were two accidents not so long ago when two kids i think they must have been 6 or 7 years old with the throat slit by maja yeah 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 um uh, but you know i don't get it and uh, how do you educate people 
How do you educate? I mean, I said the guy was in the BMW X7. I mean, I, I don't know if he's listening to your show and hopefully he understands who he's talking, who I'm talking about. But um, the other, I mean, every day, every day I see it, guys with expensive new cars, fairly well educated. My son wants to watch TV for five hours a day if he could, you know, if he could help it. So, yeah. Yeah. The only time I remember somebody used the sunroof in my car was my elder friend. And it was so funny. He got up and was his topi. So, I said, I'll get your topi. He said, I'll get your topi. I said, I'll topi. And after that, he never tried it in my car because he realized I was not going to stop the car to get his topi. I was like, that's your punishment for being an idiot. Now, one more question. When it comes to this whole uh, feature uh, thing one of the things that are changing now in cars is the increasing aspect of electronics in vehicles The even the way vehicles are run even the way vehicles are set the designing itself the, how, what do you make of this entire I'm not talking about electric vehicles for say but even normal yeah. vehicles the hybrids or, or, or your petrol or diesel vehicles are way more in terms of electric or electronic than what they used to be so how do you look at it as an expert do you think it is a good thing or it is a bad thing what do we make of the whole thing firstly uh, a lot of the software written for cars is happening out of Bengaluru and Hyderabad okay every Mercedes-Benz sold in the world has software written by Mercedes-Benz research and development India which is in Whitefield it's a very proud thing we should not the modern car is software because it's electronics you have. It's all those electronic systems are run by software, as we know. A lot of that software is written in India, and we should be proud of that. We should not, I mean, I hope the government gets this because we should not conflate um, the automotive industry with just heavy manufacturing. It is heavy manufacturing, but it's also increasingly software. And it's very proud that a lot again i repeat a lot of that software is done here um one reason many people who have bought or ordered cars recently are having to wait a long time is the semiconductor shortage um you have semiconductors everywhere in a car now you have semiconductors you know you have tire pressure monitors right i mean that's a small semiconductor you have semiconductors in your engine you have semiconductors everywhere in a car i mean the microphone that's picking up when you're giving voice commands and all of that. Uh, not just... And if you grew up in the 80s or 90s, even if you had a Maruti, there were no electronics. There was a carburetor that with a fuel oil mixture, you could adjust it. You cannot get a modern car repaired at the street guy right now. With modern car or bike. You know, people say, oh, Royal Enfield, you can repair anywhere. You can't repair Royal Enfield anywhere anymore. It requires, you got to go, if it's got an engine problem, you got to go to a proper workshop because um, you pretty much need a proper technician's degree. You need onboard diagnostics. You got to plug in your car to, on um, certain cars, there is a port to plug it in to a computer that will, will analyze the car. In the US, you have the right to repair. So you can buy these things yourself and you can see what's wrong with your car. It'll tell you what's wrong with it. Um, 
there's a lot more electronics in the car right now. You're absolutely correct. And it's um, increasing because you need to manage your emissions. Uh, so you need to manage your engine fuel, uh, you know, the amount of uh, petrol or the fuel air mixture in the engine. It's all earlier thing that used to be done manually with valves and all of that now happens through software. So then engine management software, on electric cars, battery management software, thermal management software, all of that. I mean, cars are incredibly reliable nowadays because they're run by software. Um, for better or for worse, cars are not, they are mechanical beings. That's why they will still go bad after some time because they will still, um, uh, I mean, products fail, right? Eventually they go bad, but they are, computers. A car is a computer right now. There's more processing power. Uh, the joke goes, there's more processing power in a car in the 2000s than we sent a man to the moon with on, a, on the Apollo missions. Right now, it's way above that. There's more processing power on a car. Multiple, of course, they're very, very special. You know, single core and all of that. I mean, single threads running through. Um, there's more processing power in a car today than a computer had in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, it's the incredible things right now. There's so much electronics. Everything is monitored. I mean, when you have a seat with multiple controls, I was driving a Mercedes-Benz EQS electric car. I mean, I had, what I had, I think the driver's seat, I had eight different types of, maybe even more, 12 different types of massage functions. I had ambient disco lights in my car. You can get ambient disco lights on a Kia Sonnet as well. So it's not just a Mercedes Benz. You can get disco lights. You get disco lights that are matched to the music on a Kia Sonnet. I'm not so I'm not saying Mercedes Benz, you know, Dare Kroki Mercedes Benz. I'm talking of a 12 lakh rupee car. I mean a Kia Sonnet, not even considered a fancy car. Disco lights. I've got an air purifier on these cars. So, I mean, it's, it's incredible what you have nowadays. I mean, do I like it? But these are what people want. Um, uh, a car is not, I mean, sometimes when you go on international drives, we get to drive classic cars. So a few years ago, we had gone to Portugal with BMW and we drove the classic BMW M5s. Great experience. But, you know, on a classic M5, the earlier... Uh, E28 and E30s, that the A pillar, the pillar, A pillar is the pillar that holds up the windscreen, connects the windscreen to the roof. Right now on a car, it's this thick, it's huge, it's like an elephant's trunk almost. In old cars, if you remember your old Padminis as well, they're this thin, nothing there. If you had an accident, you die. So, uh, yeah. Now, to talk about certain specific car segments. Anji. What's with the SUV car segment in India? What has happened? I mean, is SUV uh, guilty as charged? I But what is SUV? It's not just India. It's across the world. Um, Americans have always loved them. Americans have always had their F-150 trucks, right? As across the world, I think everybody wants to have a commanding view of the road. Um, in fact, I asked this question to quite a few of the auto guys, uh, company marketing heads and you know chief executives. Uh, 
personally, I like sedans. I prefer the sedan because I think it's the most perfect car form in terms of aerodynamics and you know performance and weight balance and all of that. The SUV also gives us more space, right? I mean, um, let's look at something like a Hyundai Varna and a Hyundai Creta. You know, same same platform, same car. Now we'll eventually have the same engine. The Creta will also have the same engine soon. Um, but the Creta will outsell the Varna three to one, four to one. I mean, if Hyundai manages to sell 3,000 Varnas a month, they'll be happy. They sell 12, 10 to 12,000 Kretas a month. The Kretas is uh, in the top five of cars sold in India, and it prints money for Hyundai, prints money. Um, and why is, again, similar cars, similar platform, similar features, but the Kreta has cost 2 lakhs, 3 lakhs rupees more spec to spec, even though it doesn't cost that much more to produce. Uh, consumers want it. Consumers want to have their extra space because, of course, a SUV by its sheer body size has more space. You feel like more of a king on the road, I guess. You think you're safer because you're riding higher up on the road. Personally, it does make no sense whatsoever if the car never leaves the city. And none of these SUVs, by the way, are SUVs that you can really take off-road. I mean, some you can. You can take the Jeep Compass or the Jeep Meridian and, you know, you test them like that. But most of these SUVs, no, they, they make no sense. They just, they are pretty much just sedans which have been got up. And that's also because it's easier now than ever before for manufacturers to um, make an SUV. You don't need a frame. They're still the same. Uh, excuse me, I've got a sneeze. I'm trying not to, but... Uh, you have something called monocoque construction now. Monocoque construction is where the body is the frame. You don't have a a car is not body panels fitted to a to a ladder frame. It's the body is the frame. The body is the safety cell, uh, and it's easier now than ever before to for an SUV and a sedan to share the same platform. So the Volkswagen Virtus and the Volkswagen Tiguan are the same platform, same everything. One's a SUV, one's a sedan. The SUV does better than the sedan. The SUV is more expensive than the sedan. It doesn't need to be. But they make more money. So I guess car makers always make hay when the sun shines in a particular segment. So I don't see them complaining. So I guess it's like uh, in a sociological sense, everyone feels like we will have a big car. We will have a small car. You know, my childhood was the big car whenever it used to be on the road. I remember the first car my father ever bought, at least I remember this, was a second-hand uh, Fiat. Uh, not the premier Padmini. It uh, was Fiat. It was a taxi. Okay, 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 okay. I remember the number. I remember the first two cars. I remember the first two cars. I but number plates were easy to remember. Now there were just three letters and four uh, four numbers. I remember my uh, our first car in Delhi, DDA nine zero nine nine. So it was a Maruti van. Uh, I don't remember our very first car. The very first car we owned as a family was in the UK when my dad was still a student. He had a the old classic Mini. 
है पिक्चर कहीं पे बट या मैन आई गेस यू यू वॉन्ट अ बिग कार आई थिंक इट्स साइन ऑफ सक्सेस बड़ी गाड़ी है एक जमाने में नॉट दैट लॉन्ग को एवरीबडी वॉन्टेड सेडैंस इन इंडिया I mean, mm-hmm. so you have this entire concept of the the desire, which is a compact sedan. It makes no sense. It's not got. It's neither a hatchback. It's not as good as a Swift is, nor is it as good as a sedan is. But it did well, and uh, now it's only sold as taxis. So, um, yeah, the market evolves. It goes through ebbs and flows. I'm sure, as I. Told said earlier in the show, I drove the MG Comet recently. Personally, I think the small micro car is the most sustainable thing out there. If you want to talk about sustainability, so yeah, God knows what the next trend is going to be. But in terms of uh, this, something I've not understood is like why why haven't the Koreans figured out this fuel efficiency angle? I mean, they still sell in India in spite of overall being uh, compared to Suzuki. Okay, maybe I'll put this. What is the six? Wow, what is so special about the Maruti? Why is it so successful in India? Just as a brand. First mover advantage as the economy fund is had a woman in the ninety in the eighties in the nineties definitely among a class of buyer. Maruti's had their issues in India. I mean, one of the biggest issues they had is they haven't been able to move up the value chain. Now they're doing that with the Nexa branding. um so they tried the kizashi which is a brilliant car or the older vitara which is a brilliant car but somehow spending um, 20 lakhs 25 lakhs on a suzuki branding back 10 years ago 25 lakhs was a lot of money um on something that the kizashi just didn't make sense for indians the koreans have succeeded because they managed to sell this vfm concept Hyundai definitely rode Shah Rukh Khan in his peak years very very well. Um, the Koreans, like uh, the Chinese, are doing right now across the world, load their car with features. They were the first to give uh, you know a touch screen for whatever it's worth. And they weren't very good touch screens back then, but you know a touch screen infotainment system or digital display. uh what do you call it you know integrated uh, automation of the the temperature ac is you know instead of having dials and buttons and a switcher on a maruti 800 is used to have is to have you just set the temperature right i mean that you might not think of it as a great feature but people liked it um, you want more gadgets in a car so people wanted more gadgets in a car so when you talk about the growing electronics uh cars becoming more and more automated because you want these more we want these features people want wireless charging on their cars right now they want to have wireless connectivity of apple carplay and android auto on their cars right now so um the koreans uh, and uh, i mean the koreans realize that and again once you built up your brand it's fairly easy to do uh, tata and mahindra play a bit more on a nationalistic uh, platform even though i'd say their cars possibly if i look at the percentage terms they're less indian than some of the koreans and japanese car brands are in india um uh, definitely the electric cars the tata sells they, all the batteries come from china um but yeah well, that's uh, the, that's something else we can talk about some other time 
yeah, let's let's not get into that. But uh, in the sedans and the hatchback segment, uh, so okay, hatchbacks obviously are like the in thing in India. It's the most convenient car, especially for city goers. No, that last year actually, according to Sam data, one in every two vehicles sold in India was SUV, not hatchback. Oh. Hatchbacks are declining. कमाल है मतलब ये, ये मतलब हमारे देश में सारी सटिया गए सब बड़ी बड़ी गाड़ी रखेगी कोई नहीं चला पाएगा रास्ते में बट बट योर एसयूवी नाउ इज गेटिंग स्मॉलर एंड स्मॉलर एज वेल आई मीन वो एसयूवी कार रह गई यार कुशान फिर द द द द द बट इट्स कॉल्ड एन एसयूवी इज क्लासिफाइड एज वन अकॉर्डिंग टू द वे कार्स क्लासिक डोंट आस्क मी क्लासिफिकेशंस मेक नो सेंस टू मी एनी मोर बट द टाटा पंच इज एन एसयूवी It's eh? not a big car, but is classified as an SUV in the sales data. Uh, Hyundai is launching a car called the Exter. Don't again, car names are a whole different ball game. But the Exter is going to take on the Tata Punch. The Exter is going to be an i20 on steroids. I20 ni i10 on steroids. The i10 is a hatchback, right? The i10 isn't a very yeah. I10 to hatchback. I'm very passer. Huh. So it's not a very big car, right? It's about you know three point eight meters long, three point seven, and they're going to build an SUV on that platform. So, um, so everything's SUV right now. So Hyundai will start with the Exter, then you'll have the Venue, then you'll have the Creta, then you have the Alcazar, then you have the Tucson. Everything's SUV, and none of those other than the Tucson can really go off road. Can really has. None of those, but the Tucson. This is Hyundai, which has the largest SUV uh, lineup. None of those can, uh, other than the Tucson, none. None of them have four-wheel drive. Um, so, um, I mean, Maruti, we are taking us to drive the Jimny, which will be a proper off-roader. The Jimny is what the Gypsy. They should have stuck with the Gypsy, if you ask me, name. But um, that's going to be a proper off-roader. But Again, uh, the Thar is a proper off-roader, but how many Thars do you ever see going off-road? Uh, the Thar is a proper Tushan car, in my opinion. So, um, and you see, if you go to Punjab, you'll see people put these huge, oversized tires, really thin tires. They're like, what's the point of having a Thar and doing that? But um, you know, guys like Sidhu Muswala made the Thar into a Tushan car. So, yeah, uh, it is what it is. And it's Punjab, मतलब. My people are weird. <laughs> yeah, but but the SUV is right now. It's become a cultural thing. Okay, you see it in your, you see it in movies, you see it in YouTube videos, you see it. Let's say Sidhu Muswala made the Thar into a Tushan vehicle. There in his ads, it's in his videos, it's like the Royal Enfield Bullet has succeeded from a cultural point of view. uh even though the modern ari uh royal enfield bikes are very different from a classic they're not they're much more reliable they're much better in my opinion but um they succeeded because the image they built up so the thar has done well because the image i'm sure the jimny will do well because of its image and suvs do well because of the image but they're not suvs really let's be honest they they they're neither sporty nor utilitarian But you call them SUV. Not the basic. Uh, I think it is like, हाँ, I also own an SUV. तो feel good करने के लिए सब लोग को अभी बोलते हैं, हाँ, तू भी है, तेरी भी SUV, मेरी भी SUV, kind of a thing. अभी क्या SUV? 
I mean, I drove the Maruti Suzuki Franks recently, and the name again, car names are a whole different debate. But the Franks is a Bellino that's been given a bit of, you know, that's gone to the gym. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, but it's the same size, the interiors are the same as the Bellino. So what what cars are dominating not the Ola Uber taxi market? I'm talking about the वो जो अगर मैं दिल्ली गया और मैं दिल्ली से पंजाब जा रहा हूँ और मैं वो कार हायर करता हूँ. So there was a time कि वो Toyota Qualis होती थी या Tata Sumo होती थी या Bolero Bolero होती थी. ये तीन गाड़ियाँ बड़ी dominate करती थी north में मुझे याद है. हर आदमी तीसरा जो taxi वाला भाड़े पे होता था जो driver के साथ होता था उनके साथ � सुमो उसके बाद कॉलेज उसके बाद बलेरो ये तीन गाड़ियां उनको बड़ी अच्छी लगती थी आजकल कौन सी चल रही है Innova, uh, I mean, the Etios is also really popular among cab drivers in Punjab and they're rolling it. Etios, why did we withdraw? Etios, why did we buy diesel? Um, in fact, in Punjab, there is... Um, I'm worried there'll be riots when diesel cars stop being sold in India. I'm worried about two parts. Punjab and Telangana. Very different parts of the country, but they love their diesels out there. Um, right now, you of course, bulk carriage, of course, the Eco remains popular. Eco, Artiga, Maruti calls them tour. So, um, but Shahar Kandar, you're going to get it changing. You'll have changes over there because I think there's going to be Delhi, Mumbai, Kandar, more, more cabbies are going to move to electrics. So, you have different service providers in different cities, like there's one called Blue Smart in Delhi and Bangalore and Mumbai. They're trying to grow. Others are going to grow. Uber is also buying more electric cars. But long distance may Innova. The Innova is, is still king, at least for the higher end of the market. Uske niche Artiga is going to remain. Fair enough. Okay, what's with the electric cars in India? How good have we become? in terms of the technological aspect in our electric cars. So, or, and, or, like my friend, he bought that Maruti ka hybrid car. I forgot the name of the model. Abhi li usne. Yeah. It was good to drive. Again, usko bhi SUV bolte I don't know usko SUV bolna chahiye ki nahi bolna chahiye, but usko bhi SUV bolte hai. But it was a good hybrid car. I liked the car. It was fun to drive. Obviously, it had all the, you know, the touchscreen, the reverse cams and all that uh, assistance that you need. All of that existed. But where, where do you see India going in the electric car market? Oh, that's a very loaded question, actually. Um, quite far, actually. You know, honestly, as I said, the operating economics of an electric car are insane. I mean, I had a Tata Tigor, which is uh, the same one they use for cabs right now called the Express T, but at slightly more. It might spec to spec cost three to four lakh rupees more than the petrol engine one. But the operating cost of that, um, and I have a charger at home. Um, it came to about a rupee a kilometer. Just a bit more than that. Whereas at petrol cost 96 bucks a liter in Delhi, 
the most economical petrol car in cities stuck in traffic and delhi is a bit more economical than most of the indian cities because you have higher speed roads kitna dega yaar um best you can drive a petrol uh would be about anywhere from 14 to 16 kilometers a liter in the city at best um that would still be 5 and a half 6 rupees a kilometer uh compared to 1 rupee a kilometer so and that's at current fuel prices so the operating economics of our electric are just off the charts good um if you don't mind investing 3 4 lakh rupees extra for a similar that's what i was about to say ki wo mehangi bahut hai na yeah but then you, you again uh, it's like nuclear power right mehangi bahut hai shuruaat mein but power is free it costs nothing similar i mean i'm yaar uh, god knows kal kya hoga yaar putin kya karega petrol ka price kahan jayega petrol niche bhi ja sakti hai ye nahi hai but um we i mean long term mein you get benefits aapko 5% gst hai electric cars you don't pay road tax and the green number plate is a bit of a snob thing right now and it's the same with electric uh, luxury cars right i mean the i had a audi e-tron or even the mercedes benz eqs they cost a bomb but again it costs you 2 rupees a kilometer to run yeah whereas uh, the mercedes benz uh, audi e-tron uh, would be compared to audi q5 petrol that will give me less than 8 kilometers per liter yeah which is uh, it will cost me 12 bucks a kilometer to run versus 2 rupees a kilometer to run so it does but in those cars it's a uh, 20 lakh rupee difference so um, right now so because they are full import so but once you start making them I, i i guess once more battery i hope um we start uh, doing more we do something with the lithium that we found in jammu um i've got this interview i did with this company called log9 materials that is based out of bangalore that is doing the they they're actually making the lithium cells it's a very small line but they're making lithium cells in india not just the battery pack not just getting batteries from china and packing it in india as the market grows even you know as the indian car market grows we're going to be making we'll be doing a lot more the batteries and all of that in india as well um i spoke to kartik hajela who is the coo of log9 and one of the things he told me is the government's been really supportive uh you don't get to hear that a lot um i don't think we should really it it is there are geopolitics involved in this as well right you really want to be dependent on china um i mean you're seeing what china has become the world's largest car exporter and suddenly volkswagen groups find themselves in a spot of bother um there is geopolitics involved in the global auto market as well there's geopolitics in india as well i mean do you really want to be dependent on china do you want to be just like we we've, we've spent the last three quarters of a century dependent on a few states in the middle east um whether saudi arabia or qatar or whoever it is uh, for oil and gas do you want to be dependent on a few countries or one country for uh, the materials for electric cars so there is that so the, my my entire problem with um, evs is 
the fact that we depended on China. I don't have a problem with EVs and that's in the greater drive. I'm not against EVs. I'm all for EVs. I mean, come on, I, I, as I said, I have a young son. I want to leave a cleaner world for him. You have a young kid. I'm sure it's the same for you. But I don't want to be dependent on G. I'm not, you know, so let's see how it goes. It's, it's a, these are questions far above my pay grade. <laughs> this is why we have, you know, foreign policy experts. Yeah, I understand. I think uh, the idea of an electric vehicle is definitely attractive. You should. The only problem, I think, right now for people who have longer runs in the electric vehicle is charging. That is a serious issue, which is why a lot of people might look at hybrid as an option. But if you are someone who doesn't go for long drives and you're just a city person where your driving is uh, pretty much around your city, I think an electric is a great option and no, you save a lot I, of money. I could even argue some of these, this Mercedes-Benz EQS 580 I had is actually being assembled at Chakar. That has a range of almost 800 kilometers on a single charge. I will get from here to um, Delhi to Udaipur on a single charge. Um Easily. I mean, I, I look at a charge. So my wife's family is from Kanpur. So I've always, and from my house to my in-law's house, door to door, depending on the routes I take, is anywhere between 480 to 510 kilometers. So that's the range I'd want. I'd want about five, 600 kilometers of range. I'd be comfortable. But in a city, yeah, for sure, you won't need even the MG Comet I drove. That's got a range of 230 kilometers on a 17.2 kilowatt hour battery. That's cost 65 to 75 paise per kilometer to run. Yes, it's expensive at 8 lakhs plus, and you say it's choti gadi hai, but yeah, of course you drive. Most most of us are alone in a car in the city most of the time. Uh, you most people, you know, but what if I take my family? Most young car buyers are alone, or at best with one other person. In a city, an electric is really, if you're in a family that has multiple cars, I think it's time you can consider having one of those cars as an electric. Um, again, operating costs, if you can afford it, you also feel good about yourself, right? I mean, um, if it, it, you do leave the world a cleaner place. Now, again, I know some you know, big EV boosters will say I'm being negative over here. Lithium mining is not clean. Uh, there are some metals like cobalt used in a particular type of chemistry, which isn't clean. But any mining isn't great. Mining is a destructive process. Secondly, a vast amount, majority of the power in India is thermal power. And uh, as I wrote recently, the, the old adage goes, you know, out of sight, out of mind. You can't see the pollution, so you think the pollution is far away. But some village near a thermal plant is suffering. And you, you know, you, you might feel sorry for them, but you are not. So um, uh, I know it's uh, sanctimonious. Sometimes I think, you know, Western quote-unquote environmentalists sound very sanctimonious. And I, I, it's a sort of, I won't even, I, 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 you know, in my worst of times, I'll, I'll call it white supremacy also. I must, you know, like, you should do this. Though they are. I mean, I don't like Greta at all. I think, why is she always lecturing us? You've taken away. I mean, she's a media creation. 
Uh, electric cars are good. They're great for the city. Uh, they're great for public transport. Um, we should move away from diesel. Uh, why do you think all the Zomato delivery boys and even the Amazon delivery stuff is coming on EVs? Because for them, it makes a lot more sense. But we shouldn't sacrifice the automotive industry to this. We have to figure out a path towards getting a lot of this manufacturing into India. And we've also got to be aware of um, the environmental costs of electric vehicles. Let's not pretend that you know it, it, they don't have an environmental cost just because they have no tailpipe emissions. Fair enough. Uh, in terms of maintenance, which vehicles require the most? The electric ones? I'm talking about regular maintenance costs. The electric ones, the hybrid ones, or the normal petrol diesel ones? Hybrids are the most complex vehicles because you have actually two, two drivetrains. You have electric drivetrain and um, uh, uh, ice drivetrain. Some of them are what you would call petrol electric cars where it's electric drivetrain for the most part. Pretty much like um, most locomotive engines, the railways engines, they're called diesel electric because the actual diesels are running a generator that converts electric and the electric is running the motive traction. Um, hybrids are the most complicated out there. They are a good go-between, but they are the most complicated out there. Right now, again, thanks to proper software and proper uh, reliability of mechanical parts, most cars are very, very reliable. So, um, petrol engines also right now, very, I mean, you remember, right? If, you, if you've gone through Padmini's and Ambassadors, how often they broke down back in the day. Right now, um, a bad mechanical failure is a rarity. It usually means that the car company has given you a lemon. So, um, and yeah, you'll, you'll always have maybe one in 10,000 or one in 100,000 vehicles go badly wrong. Um, and uh, you, you get to hear about in social media, people complain all the time that this has happened, that has happened. Um, car companies can make life a lot easier for themselves by actually just exchanging the vehicle then and there, if it's a newish vehicle. It's just, I think they don't want to take blame at times. It's just, I've, I've advised guys, just, just do it. I mean, just get it over with. Why do you want to? Uh, and believe me, every um, couple of weeks, I get tagged on some mega thread where somebody said, this is wrong with my car, that is wrong with my car. So it's, um, yeah. But uh, cars are very, very reliable these days. I mean, maintenance. I mean, unless you really go and bang a car into a wall yourself, they're very reliable, yeah. And even then, a car will probably run, even if you bang it into a wall. So basically, uh, a lot of times what has happened is in India, it, 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 it's time to get a mindset uh, change. Uh, I would say that. And uh, what, what is happening right now is we're not changing the mindset. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear lines like, Are, uh, at times, you know, you still go to the old garage fellow and uh, 
द गैराज गाय वुड से नई सिर्फ मारुति लेनी चाहिए उसका सर्विस सेंटर हर जगह होता है काइंड ऑफ थिंग्स यू नो व्हाट आई एम टॉकिंग अबाउट द ओल्ड ओल्ड एडजेस दैट आर अबाउट ब्रांड्स डू दोस इन्फ्लुएंस कार परचेस एनी मोर आई थिंक द एवरेज कार बायर्स विलिंग टू यू नो बी अ बिट मोर एक्सपेरिमेंटल विद द ब्रांड्स नाउडेज um what do you think tata has been able to make a comeback a significant comeback in the last 2 3 years because you know you know they may not have the best of reputations before that but right now you're willing to try again again that's also because the reliability of everybody is improved right i mean a lot of the parts you see are off the shelf for everybody so and people want to try you're making your own decision right i mean i've got a job in a it firm i straight out of college i got a job in a infosys a tcs or a wipro uh, might have moved to a new city i choose the car i want to buy right my dad doesn't have a say in it i choose what i want to buy uh, and that's a new buyer that's a new type of buyer who's choosing that i think like my wife when she bought her ford eco sport a few years ago she pretty much told me to my face stay out of the decision i know what you do for a living i don't want you to tell me what car to buy as a fair enough but she said it's my car it's my money i'm paying the emi and i said yeah it's your my it's your car it's your money i mean the value of that car went down when ford left the country but it's not her fault uh, but um, yeah i mean i didn't play a role in my I mean, I tried to help towards the end. I had to arrange the color she wanted for her. But uh, um, I think we are much more individualistic in our buying choices right now. I like a design. Uh, I said Tata's comeback may not have happened uh, five years ago. Um, so I get to uh, I get I'm choosing what I want to buy much more myself. I I, I care about the design. I care about the look of the car. the car says a lot more about me as a person fair enough uh, okay i'm just going to take a few questions for uh, from the viewers so someone has asked is india ready for hydrogen vehicles that's a whole different impact <laughs> uh hydrogen is a very very complex issue it's um, forget the production of green hydrogen brown hydrogen the different colors there there's brown with this black brown blue and green and it's all stuff i've got to learn i mean i'm i'm learning chemistry and uh, physics all over again <laughs> um particularly chemistry thanks to electrics i don't see hydrogen working um in the short to medium term maybe long term i see hydrogen because you got to figure out which what sort of combustion we'll use whether we'll use hydrogen combustion through the internal combustion engine or we will use a fuel cell that's going to be one debate secondly how will we produce and store hydrogen one solution given to me by one car company that's betting big on hydrogen is that we use um, you know off grid renewable power say you're doing producing wind on the rajasthan border and uh, which is far away from the grid you convert that electricity to ammonia which is nh3 uh, and you can 
send that by pipeline back to a city, reconvert it to hydrogen, some ammonia can go into fertilizer, and then you have to set up a whole new storage distribution infrastructure for that. Hydrogen might work initially at least as a replacement for diesel on the railway network and maybe to an extent on the freight network of long distance trucks. I don't see hydrogen unless there are dramatic developments in the next 10 years and with technology never say never. For private trans private vehicular transport uh, in India or anywhere in the world for that matter, uh, in the next 10 years, at least. Fair enough. Okay, someone, we have kind of dealt with this, but I'll still read it. Isn't policy pushed towards EVs paradoxical for Indians? We're reliant on crude imports and then we'll be dependent on battery tech and more semiconductors. And then there is a comment. Also, will the real sub-4M SUV please stand up? <laughs> the real sub-4-meter SUV. I mean, the, technically the Mahindra Thar is sub-4-meters. So, yeah, that's a real one if you want one. The Jimny will also be sub-4-meters. That's also a proper SUV. So, those are there. Um, as I said uh, earlier, um, do we want to be reliant on batteries and uh, particularly imports of Lithium, we might have our own lithium. We do have a lot of titanium down in Kerala. So there's a battery chemistry called lithium titanate, LTO, um, which allows for rapid charging, which allows for a lot of things. Uh, this is a battery technology that's being promoted a lot by Log9 materials and will be promoted by Amara Raja Batteries, the guys who make Amaron, who are investor in Log9 materials. So we will have some of those. Um, I'm not saying we won't be dependent on international countries for the IP. Um, we will need to develop a lot of our own intellectual property. I think China's big development in the last decade has not just been acquiring the resources, but they have worked their guts out in developing intellectual property. I mean, um, the stuff that BYD does, CATL does, Goshen does, the three large battery companies in China, they've developed their own intellectual property. I mean, even the developments in um, sodium ion technology that we talk about, sodium ion will take us away from um, lithium ion. Um, much of the patents, much of the developments, much of the factory processes have been done by CATL. And... Um, yeah, I think that is where we need to put in a bit more education uh, or resources into developing IP. And that's the thing that came out as well. We need to encourage more startups, encourage more kids to do electrochemical engineering uh, because that's a new big trend. And of course, we are doing a, a great, great, great job in software. We're developing a lot of the software that run modern cars uh, and planes in Bangalore and Hyderabad. All right. So I don't know if you can answer this, but I'll ask it anyways. Why doesn't the Indian government consider using Indian car brands for VIPs like the current Safari, Scorpio, Alters, G4, XUV, 700 and Harrier? <laughs> Why? Uh, Amit Shah goes in a Mahindra uh, and a Tata. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, I think when when Modi came to Delhi for the first time after winning in 2014, he was in a Scorpio. 
he was in the Scorpio. Um, firstly, safety for the Prime Minister and the President, safety. You mm -hmm. cannot give me um, a Scorpio or a safari. A safari, because it is um, on a monocoque, will not be able to take the weight of the bulletproofing and the underbody armor, the S-guard that the, or the Prime Minister just acquired some S-guards. The Land Rover, those are all armored vehicles. Those, they are, those are as heavy as a tank. For VIPs as well, you, I mean, let's be honest, Mercedes-Benz has the reputation it does. Uh, they've carried um, dictators, demagogues, and Democrats across the world for years. So uh, that's what they do. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, should we use it? Should we promote our own brands? I think we're still a bit way to go. We still have to get luxury. I think Tata did try once. They were really launched the car. They did try. They wanted to make a... Because for a long time, Mercedes-Benz cars were assembled at the Tata factory in Pune before Mercedes-Benz set up their own assembly plant. So, uh, I mean, Tata learned a lot from Mercedes. I mean, Mercedes has been a long-term partner for Tata Motors, you know, that even with trucks. I think we have some time to go. I mean, the Chinese have started doing that with the Hongxi, if they call it, if I got the name pronunciation right. Um, but yeah, even in China, they still revert to Mercs and BMWs. I think other than the Americans who put out their leader in a Cadillac, everywhere else, in the, and, and the Brits who put their, you know, the Prime Minister goes in a Jaguar and uh, the royal family in Range Rovers, which are British, but Indian at least, uh, everybody else uses uh, German cars for that. I mean, that's going to take some time to get rid of. Fair enough. Um, one more question is, what do you think of the future of mass market performance cars like I-20, Inline, Octavia, RS-245? Well, the Octavia not is, is not here as yet. I think the RS is an amazing car. I genuinely think uh, you should make power affordable to the masses. Um, you should have more engine options. I mean, I would love it. Um, if I, I wish these cars were there when I was younger. Uh, but uh, right now with the move towards EVs, you're also going to see uh, EV special editions. You're going to see, I mean, of course, right now you have the EQS AMG, which is the only performance EV in India and the Porsche Taycan alongside that. Um, but if you look at EVs, if you look at what Tesla is doing or Lucid is doing or Rivian is doing in the States, they're, they're all coming out, or the Ford Mustang Mach-E, they're coming out of performance EVs as well. So... Um, you may not have performance ice cars going on that long uh, we, as you move towards electric vehicles, but definitely don't don't think performance vehicles will go out of fashion just because you're moving towards electric vehicles. So um, you would have performance EVs as well. Interesting. So before we wrap it up, just one last question and then we'll end it. Uh, do you ever see India becoming a self-sufficient car manufacturing hub or even becoming a car hub for the global market, or we skip that bus and the Chinese have pretty much taken care of that? No. Okay. Here's the thing. We are already a manufacturing hub. Right now, we do not have spare that much spare capacity across the board, but we are sending cars from India to Latin America and Africa. 
one reason for that is India has always been a hub for tropicalized products. We manage the heat better than most. So why do you think Bajaj is doing so well across Africa and Southeast Asia and Latin America, Bajaj and TVS both? Um, similarly, I mean, Volkswagen is sending cars from Chakan to um, Mexico and Volkswagen has plants in Mexico. Um, they're selling electric car, drive cars from Chakan there. Hyundai sends cars from uh, Chennai. I remember going to Chennai when they, in March, my last trip outside Delhi before COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, seeing a car that was going to Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, and um, you, you have cars going from Chennai all across the world. You have cars going from Maruti sends cars from both Manisar and Gujarat across the world. Uh, we can do a lot more. We are not doing enough because our manufacturing right now is sort of hitting manufacturing. Guys like Maruti, Hyundai, Kia, and even Tata Motors are sort of hitting their caps right now because you don't. Uh, we have not invested enough in manufacturing. I think... Um, so Tata had a lot of spare capacity until a couple of years ago, and then now they're finally using it to sell cars in India. So they're the only manufacturer with a lot of spare capacity. We will be sending cars to Africa. We will be sending, we, we send cars across the world. And I think that's only going to increase. Uh, we do tropicalized products far better. We will be doing that, I think, with EVs as well, definitely with EV two-wheelers and EV three-wheelers to start with. Uh, we will be doing that for sure. Do you think we can expect a nano-electric version in the future? I'd like to see how the MG Comet does. I would really like to see if Indians take to a micro car because personally speaking, that is the most sustainable form of vehicular transport inside a city. Easy, small, easy to park. Uh, extremely efficient because of its weight and because of you know everything around it. Uh, even if the EC3 from Citroën, small hatchbacks, small electric hatchbacks, but they would also require some policy guidance. You know, the government has to sort of encourage people to buy those and, you know, encourage people somehow, um, you know, buy small, at least inside the city. It makes sense. I mean, small vehicles make sense. You don't want to go around with some of the giant SUVs in some lanes in, you know, in, in Mumbai or in Delhi, it's like taking the, you know, the, you know, one of a US super carrier up Mahim Creek. You wouldn't want to do that. So, um, yeah, um, I, I, if, if, if these micro cars work and they should, um, uh, a refresh Tata Nano style car by Tata, by Maruti, whoever it is, um, why not? And and here's the thing also, electric vehicles um, have, I mean, it allow for startups. I mean, you see so many startups in two-wheelers and three-wheelers. And at least in the West, you're seeing startups like Fisker, like Tes Tesla was a startup, right? Uh, Lucid, Rivian, Fisker, they're, they're, they're there in four-wheelers as well. So maybe they can be... Uh, young Indian electric startup doing small micro cars for India, uh, EVs, because a lot of the components are off the shelf. It's a lot less complicated. Um, and again, a lot of the software is also, uh, you know, off the shelf. 
So why not? Why not? I, I would love it if there are more micro cars, uh, electric vehicles available in India. All right. So Kushant, I guess we'll end it here today. Once again, yes. thank you very much for coming. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I look forward to uh, our future discussions. I, I sure. think, uh, uh, let me uh, see what people want me to talk about cars now. So, you know, what I'm going to do is all of you who are listening to this, uh, who are car fans, email me and tell me what do you want me to talk to Kushan about when it comes to cars the next time and then I'll I'll send the feedback to Kushan and we'll plan something about that but uh, thank you very much brother. Thank you so much Kushan, really appreciate it really, uh, and thank you guys, uh, please do send your suggestions to Kushal um, if you want to talk, you want me to discuss other things, don't want to make it too heavy either, I mean I know there's a lot about chemistries and all of that and uh, you want to make this accessible also. So, um, but if you have any questions, you can always reach out to me at Twitter. Uh, yeah. I'm, I spend far too much of my time on Twitter. So, so it's, it's just we fine. all do. We all do. We all do. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up again. So in the description, it doesn't matter if you're listening to it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or you're watching this on YouTube. Go in the description, follow Kushan on Twitter. You can also read his articles. Uh, he writes regularly on the print. So you can check that out. And if you like what I'm doing over here, you can gift me a car. I'm just kidding. But you can support the podcast by subscribing to the channel, liking this video, leaving a comment below, or becoming a member of the podcast or buying the merch on sending donations to UPI. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, namaste. Take care. Bye. Thank you.